I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonderful, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network presented to you by Bet365. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me in just one moment are my co-hosts and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. But before I bring in those two fine gentlemen, a reminder that Wonderful is proudly presented by Bet365, and Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar see for yourself when you sign up today with the promo code action and you'll get 365 dollars in bonus bets when you bet just one dollar whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 you must be 21 or older and present in colorado iowa kentucky new jersey ohio or virginia and if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help please call 1-800-GAMBLER in colorado kentucky new jersey ohio and virginia and 1-800-BETS-OFF b-e-t-s OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, to the casual punter, a real fun weekend coming up in the Premier League. To someone who, to the person in your life, maybe it's you, who gets into the weeds betting on the Premier League. A tricky one to handicap, I would say. Maybe the most complicated board of the season so far because of injuries coming back from international break point deductions, all sorts of chaos uh, to, to sift through, but that's what we're here for, uh, and that's what we're going to do. And we'll start with the headliner between Manchester City and Liverpool. Uh, this is at the Etihad. City minus 143, an odds-on favorite. Liverpool traveling at plus 333, and the draw is plus 320. Uh, BJ, I think that like, if you had to choose a side here, you'd probably lean towards the underdog. Yeah, I would agree. Uh... For me, though, I think it's a very, very interesting tactical matchup and one that I think is more exciting to live bet than play aside pre-match. So just setting all the injury stuff aside, because there are a lot of guys that are questionable to play here for City. If all of them play, I'm very interested to see what Pep's approach is, because his approach against Chelsea was incredibly aggressive. He was essentially pressing with a front five, and Chelsea was consistently playing through that first line of pressure in creating those transitional moments. Now, he wants to try to do that against Liverpool, 
there's not a better transition team in the world right now than, than Liverpool. So they are going to get ripped apart if they try to do that. Now, we could also see the approach that Pep has gone with against teams like Arsenal, where he has played very passive, tried to cut off central progression, and forced teams out wide. Now, from the aspect of what does Liverpool potentially do out of possession, I think it's very interesting. Chelsea, from the get-go, was like, City, you're not playing through the center of the pitch. They closed it off, and then, but City kept trying to play through there. City, what they're running into right now, because John Stones hasn't been healthy, is because when they try to build up, they like to push that center back into the middle of the pitch. Well, Kanji was playing that role against Chelsea, and he just wasn't as good as, at that role as John Stones was. So City obviously got forward and transitioned a couple times, created a couple big chances, and they could do that here against Liverpool because if Liverpool decides, which they usually do, to invert Trent Alexander-Arnold to the middle of the pitch when they build up, that's going to leave a lot of space out wide for somebody like Doku to cause a ton of problems. Now, I'm going to be potentially looking at playing alive over here, depending on what City tries to do. If they play more aggressively, I think that will create a lot more chaos. It also kind of depends, obviously, who's going to be playing for City. Holland is obviously questionable. Ake is questionable. Ederson is questionable. So if all of those guys don't play, then it makes it harder uh, especially if Holland's out to play and over. But if they do play, and especially if Doku plays on the left, Konate is questionable for Liverpool, which is going to leave a lot of open space for Doku to go one-on-one against somebody like Joel Matty, which is going to be a very difficult matchup for Liverpool. So I'll be potentially looking at it live over here if we get a lot of chaos at the beginning and then maybe you know we get a couple of big chances and teams are playing aggressively, try to hop in on a live over. but. Outside of that, for me, I think the line is right pre-match. So I'll be passing on it. Uh, it just really depends. I don't really know what Pep's going to do. Is he going to play aggressively or is he going to go back to game control? And I think we need to watch that and figure it out before we can make a bet on it. I think it's much more likely that he tries to dial it back a little bit. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's going to work, right? Yeah. Uh, we've seen Guardiola and, and they seem to have one or two of those early season games every year. Uh, the Newcastle game last year. Uh, And this year, you know, it being the Chelsea game with, you know, six expected goals in that match and and eight actual goals. But I think Liverpool is going to be much healthier slash available now, right? They had to play a a makeshift midfield against Brentford. They were not great in that match. I know they won it 3-0, but if you look at final XG, it was 1.7 to 1.6. Brentford took 16 shots in that game. I know there were a couple like close offside calls that hurt Liverpool as well, but I thought the Bs were very dangerous. Uh, and I think I thought it came down to just Liverpool not having the ball stopping in the midfield. And we talked about this, like, McAllister will be back from suspension. It looks like Gravenberg is going to play. Uh, and so the Bushlai, Jones may also be back. Konate is questionable. So there are a couple question marks, but I do think Liverpool will have their first choice three that they've been rolling with lately, which is Sobo and and McAllister and Gravenberg available. So certainly Liverpool, you know, close to full strength here. Uh, been playing Nunez up top, which has been, I think, his best position. I think their best three attackers uh, in this in the space are, you know, Nunez, Salah, and Diaz. So, you know, whether it's him or Jota, I think you know Liverpool's kind of finding its best lineup. And if you just look at non-penalty expected goal difference this year in eleven on eleven minutes only, uh, they have been about even teams this year. There's not been a huge gap between the two of them. Uh, Liverpool is. Plus 1.37, City plus 1.45. 
And you could squint a little bit and kind of pick nits at City's numbers against the fellow top teams. They haven't really had like a dominant performance against a fellow big six opponent outside of the Derby against United, which, you know, we don't think much of them. So you could you could pick nits. Uh, I have City 136 here. That's assuming Holland's in, of course. So I don't really have a strong opinion on the side here, but I would, you know, lean just toward Liverpool based on the fact that uh, Liverpool, for me, their ceiling is still right there with City. The one thing I'll also say about Liverpool is we haven't really seen them at full strength against an elite team. Because if you remember, they obviously were down a man against Newcastle, down two men against Tottenham. Against Tottenham. The last match where they've played essentially in what you would call in a, you know, a top six side would have been Brighton at Brighton, which ended up being a very even 2-2 draw. Since then, they were up a man against Everton and dominated them. They beat Nottingham Forest. They beat, drew with Luton Town, but created almost three expected goals. And then obviously beat Brentford over the weekend, the, before the international break. So it'll be very interesting to see what Liverpool looks like against one of these elite teams. So, and then it'll be a good litmus test. Now, coming up, they have a pretty easy schedule. You know, Fulham, Sheffield United, Palace. But then they got United and Arsenal, and then uh, the reverse fixture against Newcastle around the festive fixture time. So this will be a very, very good litmus test comparatively to those matches to see how good Liverpool actually is. Yeah, one point uh, separating these two teams in the table, um, coming back from the international break, and as BJ alluded to, we are about to head into the busiest time of year for soccer teams, players, fans, betters, etc. So um, get your betting boots on. I imagine I will be betting Liverpool to win the league if they lose this game. Stop it. Okay. I think we're going to get like 10 to 1. I think I'm going to be in. But we'll <laughs> see. We'll see how Saturday goes. There you have uh, it. Well, it, I mean, it's a lot of fun to bet your favorite team, right? To win the league. Yeah, right. Like this, every year. Every year we hear this song and dance from, from Anthony about his, his boys. Uh, Newcastle and Chelsea now. We'll, we'll save that conversation for after the game. Uh, that Anthony is hypothetically talking about. Newcastle plus 150 at home. Chelsea plus 162. The draw plus 260. Every team, save for like three in the Premier League, are just the walking wounded right now. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Newcastle has it the worst. And Chelsea's not that far behind. But Chelsea's been dealing with a lot of the injuries that they're still dealing with all season. So um, all things being equal, I would have loved, I would love to bet Newcastle on the spot. At home, yeah. Chelsea kind of riding high after that performance a fortnight ago. It's a decent sell-high opportunity with the way that they, the Blues have been going. Uh, but it's, it's really hard to, to bet Newcastle here. Because I just, who's going to play for this team, Anthony? Like, who, who's, who's going to play for that? Are, are we overrating the injuries now? I think we are. Because it's when they're, when, no, when they're, if it's like one or two guys, I actually think you, you both t- will talk about like one or two guys too much and, and we can get into overrating but when it's a cluster it becomes a, 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 a whole different thing like I think one-off injuries are are very different from 11 people on who are dealing with right, something. right but I but they are getting some positive news here right so like mm-hmm. Isak might be back uh, and and absolutely that, that's true like the market right. I, I think doesn't even go as far like you know we, Newcastle was minus 135 40 uh, and then you know last week at Bournemouth and the market just kept going and going and going because the injury news just kept getting worse. Wilson was out. Uh, Isak wasn't going to be back. They ended up starting just like a really bad soccer team. 
Yeah. Right. And got outplayed. But now Bruno is back from suspension. We know that. Almiron trending toward playing. Isak trending toward playing. Like, that. that's kind of enough for me to buy in again. Because that's like a, the best midfielder on the team. That's uh, enough for you if the, they if they play or or just the fact that if they, they are... play. Like I'm gonna, I mean, I'm not betting it now, right? Because right now too, you know have we're to... recording this Tuesday afternoon. The market has clearly downgraded them. Yep. Right. Off of these injuries, and and there's a chance that the market has gone too far, mm-hmm. and that I want to actually bet on Newcastle. I mean, uh, that being said, I don't really want to bet against Chelsea right now because I think they're they're quickly improving. They're figuring it out, you know, kind of more so they're quickly improving, which is just that the shots are going in the net now instead of missing the net. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said that Chelsea has once again turned in one of their best performances of the season against a fellow big six team who uh, wants to go at them. But that's not really Newcastle in a sense. Like Newcastle's not going to want possession of the ball. They will press. Um, so, you know, they're going to, you know, two of the best pressing teams, I think, in the league right now, two of the three best. Uh, with with Arsenal, Newcastle, Chelsea, so you know that'll be interesting. But I mean, think about how crazy this line is. Given what mm-hmm. we just saw, like t- two weeks ago, we all said it's ridiculous that Newcastle is a home dog to Arsenal. Now Newcastle's like a home pick'em to Chelsea. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, I mean, I've downgraded Arsenal, I've upgraded Chelsea, but I'm not that close on those two teams. So I, I think there's something to be said for, um, you know. Waiting and seeing, and and maybe grabbing some Newcastle. Yeah, I I don't think the press like Chelsea's pretty press resistant, so that's worth something to them. They've been pretty good in build up, but uh, Newcastle's injuries like if Isak can't go, they just don't have a striker right at the club who can play that position. <laughs> and if Almiron can't go, they don't really have wingers outside of Anthony Gordon either. Uh, so now they're like, is Livermento going to play wing? Er, he, has to, that's he not, has to play left back because Lewis Hall can't face Chelsea. Right. So, so there's all kinds of questions, but I do think that if you start to see good news on Isak and Amaron, that I would be closer to betting Newcastle at home here than betting Chelsea, but probably going to end up passing this one overall. Yeah. I mean, so another one is, is Shar, who is also questionable because if he doesn't play, then... Newcastle has no depth at center back because Dan Byrne is also out because Dan Byrne can very easily slot into that center back role where he's usually playing as left back, but he's also out. So uh, for me, it's Ishak and Shar are the most important too. If both of those guys play, and even how Almiron plays as well, it's not that far off from Newcastle's usual starting 11 that they would normally play against uh, one of the, you know, a normal Premier League side. So uh, yeah, I agree with Anthony. It's wait and see. You know, Newcastle's been a little more passive out of possession. They're not just relentlessly pressing uh, with their normal 4-3-3. They've switched to a 4-5-1 to try to limit that central progression and press more out of a mid-block. And it's been pretty successful. So I don't think you'll see Chelsea be able to play through the press like they were able to when City was very aggressive against them. Plus, this is Newcastle at home. They have one of the best home field advantages in the Premier League. and They've been one of the best home teams in England for a long time now. So uh, yeah, it'd be Newcastle pick them for me. If both Ishak and Shar play, um, that will be massive for them. And I think it's good enough to bet Newcastle at a pick them. Yeah. Interesting conundrum. The classic, no, you know that if the injury news is good, 
um, particularly on on Eshack, like this number will move towards oh, Newcastle. Oh, yeah, they'll be plus one twenty five. Yeah. yeah, and you'll want to yeah beat the market, but at the same time, uh, we could be looking at a situation like Anthony said, where they just don't have anyone to finish chances, and they turn into Chelsea of, of of October. Um, on to Burnley and West Ham now. I, so so those first two matches we talked about obviously are uh, big for the big picture uh, Premier League. This one I think is uh sneaky important for 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 both teams. I, I know that 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 West Ham is is pretty comfortable where they're sitting in the table on 17 points and and clear of uh relegation relegation issues, but with the way that they've been going this season, you do have to wonder like how how many more like downturns in form they they can handle with uh without David Moyes really starting to feel the pressure. He started to feel it a bit in the early going, they get the win over Nottingham Forest uh, going into the international break to, to stop a three-match losing streak. Meanwhile, Burnley, they're propping the table up at the moment. Uh, so they, they just need this win for safety purposes. And I actually don't think that in, in a, in a Claret and Blue Derby here that, that the Clarets, Burnley, are all that off-putting as a bet here. I think plus 275 at home, coming off an international break, playing a still overrated West Ham team not terrible the, the the tactical stuff still is a concern with with Burnley and I think playing a David Moyes side uh in in, in their style is is a little concerning but I think this is a pretty good by low spot on Burnley BJ I think it is too I hate I hate this match so much because I've been very anti-Burnley for a long time now um but the prices on West Ham are getting crazy they should never have been, like we mentioned, they never should have been minus 125 at home against Nottingham Forest. And, you know, the, the goals that they scored were, you know, a little bit, you know, the first goal they scored was Dominguez just kicked the ball off his own defender and Paqueta just went in and scored and then they scored off a set piece. But um, this is the type of match, though, I think Burnley can actually be successful. Where Burnley has struggled is against teams that will press them high. They're not good enough in build-up play. They can constantly turn it over, and that's when you see them conceding two, three expected goals. They've actually been, the matches where they've actually gotten points, they've been against teams like Luton Town and Nottingham Forest, which plays very similar style to that of West Ham. And for West Ham, it's also concerning who's actually going to start up top for them because Antonio's mm. been out, so they started Jaron Bowen up top, which was pretty successful, but now he is questionable to play. So is it going to be Kudus? Is it going to be Keita? Who's actually going to start up top here for uh, for West Ham? And I thought Burnley against Arsenal for large stretches, you know, they went... Uh, Bur- Vincent Company kind of switched them into a good defensive block team. They were cutting off central progression. They weren't trying to press Arsenal. And they were doing a very good job of it for pretty large stretches. You know, Arsenal got into 2v1s in wide areas, but Burnley was okay with that as long as they weren't able to play through the center of the pitch. And Arsenal obviously scored off a set piece, and um, that's where Burnley's kind of struggled as well, which is a concern here against West Ham. But yeah, I mean, West Ham is a road favorite at minus 105. I know it's Burnley, and I know they've been terrible, but man, that's too high for West Ham. So... uh, I am projecting a little bit of value on Burnley, but the market keeps moving towards West Ham. So I'm going to wait and see if we can get maybe a better price here on Burnley, which I think we might be able to closer to match time. So it'd be Burnley plus a half for me, but I'd keep waiting and see if you can maybe get them at a plus number uh, for plus a half. Yeah. I mean, is Antonio addition by subtraction? It's his out of possession stuff that I think really makes them a little bit better as opposed to a guy like Kudus. 
Right, but here's the thing. Like, so you know what they did instead of playing Antonio was just add another midfielder, and it's like the least functional midfield in the prem right now. Yeah. Uh, so check, like, gets you some set piece stuff and wins some headers, but he's not on the ball ever. He doesn't pass, uh, and he's not even really a great ball winner anymore. Like, he's taking a step back there. Alvarez is never on the ball, never passes. Ward Prowse is like had the most touches in the game against Nottingham Forest, but he didn't do anything with them except the set piece stuff, which again, like West Ham is a really difficult team right now because yes, they're elite on set pieces. They scored twice on set pieces uh, against Nottingham Forest. And it's really painful when you're sweating a dog against this West Ham team and they just keep trying to get corners. They're not even trying to score. They're just trying to get corners. Uh, And it was evident in the game against uh, Forest that, you know, eventually they got one and they scored and then they won three, two in a game that, you know, both teams had 19 penalty touches uh, in the box. Uh, there, there was really no difference between the two teams in terms of shots or, or, or volume. Bowen being out, though, like, he is their best, like, shot getter. Uh, so if he's out, then they're really stuck. Because Paqueta, you know, he plays more out wide. He's their best creator. But if he gets stuck out wide and they have this really non-functional midfield, the attack can get kind of ugly for West Ham. And that's why I'm really down on them. And uh, I am also tempted by Burnley in this spot as well. Uh, the market had downgraded them a good bit by my numbers, but they're taking money here. So now I'm tempted to hop in as well. Uh, another barn burner here. Luton Town hosting uh, Crystal Palace. The Hatters uh, plus 260. Palace plus 110. And the draw uh, plus 230. Not too much we need to get into here. Uh, Anthony, I don't think. Uh, it's a pass for me it looks like a pass across the board i mean tempted by the under just like anytime you see palace road favorite luton have been uh, an active out of possession team they haven't been completely run over uh even with sa and Olise, you know bit bidding back into the betting back into the team like they're still not creating uh, a ton like the everton match was kind of wonky in how it progressed because there were two goals in the first five minutes but large stretches of that match there wasn't a ton going on uh, you know, they finished with 1.5 non-pen XG. It was it was fine. But, uh, you know, I just think that anytime you get Palace as a road favorite, they're, you're going to automatically just tilt toward like probably nothing happens in this match. But number being as low as it is, I can't really get there on it. Uh, so, yeah, this is a pass for me. Uh, Forrest now. In, uh, that was a tough one. Yeah. Our last episode against yep. West Ham. So Yep, that was tough. But now but they're again. they're an underdog, and now they're at home. They're they're two to one, uh, hosting Brighton and Hove Albion, and uh, we're coming in at plus one twenty. The draw here is plus two seventy five. I know we like Forest at home, and we prefer them obviously when they're they're an underdog. And it's been ages since uh, Brighton have won a game. But you know what? One of the early rallying cries uh, of this podcast, BJ. Mm-hmm. Which you'll remember is it's it's by low Brighton. That's right. And I think that that's the time. This is the time to do it. Uh, yep. They, like I said, it's they. When's the last time they've won a match? They've got. It's been um, not counting um, the Europa League. It's been over a month. Yeah, I think it's it's Europe. So their last win was in the Europa League on October twenty sixth. Uh, oh no, they they beat Ajax right. So they beat Ajax twice. Right. Yeah. Born, Bournemouth. Yeah, so was their last win in the Premier League. Bournemouth, September twenty fourth. Also known as the last time I bet against them. Boy. Um, <laughs> no, I think I did bet against them one other time. Yeah. So it's it's been ugly. Um, but the defensive numbers have really improved. 
They've they really have. improved they here. Have. So uh, I mean, look, th- th- it was never realistic to expect them to continue in the Premier League putting up the ridiculous XG that they were and the ridiculous expected goals allowed. Like there was always going to be some natural regression, but I think Deserby has really dialed it back. Now you could argue that when you're playing Fulham and Sheffield, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the plus EV way to play. Uh, they, they ruined our boy, but I think that uh, in this spot, like off the break, the fact that Brighton's only plus 125 here is a little cheap. For me, um, I'm a little worried. Ferguson picked up a thigh injury. Is he in? Is he going to play in this? I'm not so sure. But they're so deep. If you think about like the depth that they have and the way they're going to play, they're going they can play Pedro, but, but, they can play Ansu Fati, Welbeck's out too. Like it, it's t- it is a little tricky but with with Welbeck and Ferguson out because they don't have a natural like striker striker. I like Pedro. I like obviously love Fati. They get decent shot numbers for midfielders. I don't think either of them are striker strikers. So, you know, I have to go to Forest, a team who's going to play very similarly to what, you know, Sheffield just did, but better. I don't know. It's a little tempting. Yeah. So I think why you're seeing the defensive numbers increase and why Brighton struggle is because the playbook is out on them. Just don't take the bait. They want to bait you into pressing. If you don't take the bait, then they have kind of struggled. And what Deserby wants to do. He wants to play through the middle of the pitch because recently he's been bringing Matoma and Adringa in side and essentially been playing a 4-2-2-2 in buildup and just trying to find that space in between the lines, essentially playing, like Anthony said, two midfielders so that they can come back and exploit that space and try to find ways through. And they were able to do that with the first goal against Sheffield United. But from that point on, they did struggle with central progression. And that is something that they could struggle with here. but. You know, the defensive numbers have increased because they're keeping so many people in the middle of the pitch and they're able to stop those transition attacks through the middle. Because if you remember in the past, Brighton was building up in a 4-2-4, so they were trying to exploit one-on-ones with Matoma and guys out wide and do the overlaps, obviously, with the stupid on, but nobody was in the middle of the pitch and they got exploited through the middle. Well, now teams aren't able to do that. And I think one reason for that, now Lewis Dunk is going to miss this match, so that's obviously massive. He's their best defender, but... John Paul Van Hecke has been incredible in the last few starts for them. When he's played, they're only allowing around one expected goal per 90, and it's no coincidence that he's come into the team recently. And I think they finally found that replacement for Levi Colwell they were missing drastically in the beginning of the season. And from a price perspective, so this is very interesting. Here's a question for you guys. How closely rated do you think Aston Villa or Brighton are, or do you think one team is clearly better than the other? Brighton's marginally Brighton's, better. Yeah, like, I've downgraded Brighton. them, but they're so, marginally better. Yeah, so Aston Villa was minus 110 at Nottingham Forest a couple weeks yep. ago. Now we're getting Brighton at plus 120. Uh, I also bet Forest in that game. Yeah. I think so, we all did. That's the point here is that, yes, Brighton has struggled in these type of scenarios, but they definitely have the attacking prowess and the ability to play through. And the defensive numbers have been better. And Forest's offense, it's just one transition attack, and that's it, <laughs> basically. Because against all the good teams this season, they've I think Arsenal is the only team where they've actually created over one expected goal. So I don't think that force is going to get much here in transition. So it just comes down to Ken Brighton break down this little block a couple of times and maybe get a goal in. So um, a sharp play would probably also be under two and a half um, as well at plus money um, just because of recent results. Uh, but I really think that the price here on 
Brighton is far too cheap at plus 120. Back. Sheffield United. How about this one? Anthony, I think you're the only one with, with anything uh, on this beautiful matchup. A, a relegation six-pointer, Sheffield United plus 225, Bournemouth plus 115, and the draw plus 250. <sighs> I, I don't know how, uh, but you, you've worked up the gumption to to go back to the cherries here. Who I, I, I mean, they what? They've been better here, but he, he, he loves his cherries, this guy. I know, he does, yeah. He really does. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I think I thought we'd get a better number, to be completely honest, uh, because I expected, uh, you know, this being a relegation match with Sheffield at home, that the market would just kind of price them right around to pick them, with Bournemouth clearly being the better team. So the fact that I only get plus 125 is a little bit less than I would like. Uh, of course, I mean, I'd always want a better number. But uh, my projections make Bournemouth plus 115 here. So I am not that far off the market. Uh, I just think Sheffield United is not going to offer any resistance or pressure or create high turnovers in a way that causes problems for Bournemouth. And thus, it kind of eliminates the biggest issue that Bournemouth's had all season. There are some positive injury news situations going on for for the cherries here, it's not still not great, but it's not as bad. Uh, you know, they they still don't have Philip Billing. He has been a key part of of their very mediocre midfield this season. So you know that's not great. But overall, like they do get most of their first choice defense back here. So I'm close on Bournemouth. Probably will end up not actually betting it because there are better games to bet, as they say. But I think the cherries here. Like just based on preseason priors, I would have laughed at you at the beginning of the season if I could get Bournemouth yeah. plus money against the Sheffield team, and I still have faith, even if my faith is is somewhat waning in in this situation right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm surprised that like they haven't fired him yet, but uh, you got a you win know, though. He did get a win. Hey, there. Two uh... wins, two wins, and three for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. So I was saying they they are they are. You know, trending in the right direction. And they were beating Wolves until the red card. So, you know, they really could have been three wins and four. And and look, I mean, they're they're now uh four points clear of the uh the relegation spot. A whole game plus uh multiple games because of uh a particular points deduction. Um you 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 mentioned it. There are other games to bet and I think that there are two that we're we've yet to talk about that are very, very, very fun to bet, uh, including Brentford uh, as a home underdog, plus 375, hosting Arsenal, uh, coming in at odds an odds-on favorite, minus 138. The draw here is plus 275. Boy, BJ, this one's got to be tough for you. Yeah, I hope both of you lose all your money, because um, I know where you're going. Uh, I'm passing. Price on Arsenal is a little inflated. I agree. But what I will say about Brentford... Their past few matches defensively have been a little concerning. And if you want to look where Arsenal creates a lot of their chances, it's out wide in these 1v1s with Saka and Martinelli. And as of right now, Brentford doesn't have Aaron Hickey and they don't have uh, Rico Henry available. So that's a little concerning when they're trying to defend in those 1v1s in wide areas. But... Brentford in their last three matches have conceded around two expected goals to Chelsea, West Ham, and Liverpool. So now this is going to be just, if you love ball circulation, that's what you're going to see all match long. Brentford's going to stay passive. Arsenal's just going to circulate the ball and just 
hopefully they can get those 1v1s in, in good areas. But if you're a neutral, sure, there's value on Brentford. But I'm not a neutral, so I'm not betting it. I like the under more than Brentford. <sighs> Obviously, no, I, I, I think that the, this is a, a really good spot to back Brentford. At home, uh, hosting a, a big six club, this, this is, these are the spots that we, we, we do it every check. time. Yeah, we dream about every... We don't always win. I mean, Brentford yeah. plus one and a half probably should have won against Liverpool, but didn't. We don't always yeah, they, win. They, they, but we they, win more than we lose. We win That's more than we lose. Here. And uh, if you look at Brentford since um, that, that first international break in, in September, it's been a tricky schedule for them. Like Newcastle, uh, an Everton side that was finally healthy and, and improving and were just due for a, a big performance. Uh, don't even want to talk about the EFL Cup, but they played Arsenal, um, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and then uh, Forest, West Ham, and, and and Burnley. So I think I feel like they've they've played like a a really diverse uh, group of opponents, and and they've done I think what what you'd expect out of Brentford, which is they they're getting results. They'll they'll lose the odd game here or there, but generally everything looks respectable to me. Um, they. The, like you said, the, the the game against Liverpool was closer than I think the final score dictates. A really nice uh, win against Chelsea. Uh, unlucky performance against United, and I know that we all where we all think of United, and and, and similarly uh, away at Newcastle, like they kept it low event and tight and tidy, and yep. That, I feel like that's what we're kind of looking at in a in a game script here against Arsenal, which is can they turn this match into as close to a coin flip as possible? I th- I trust this team to do that every time against these these kind of clubs yeah you know uh national champion uh, soccer head coach uh at syracuse ian mcintyre always used to love to tell me goals change games and that's like the, one of the best soccer coach speak terms of all time and they do and in this game i don't think a goal changes a whole lot because arsenal playing from behind is going to be the same as arsenal in an even game here arsenal playing from ahead Brentford, you know, when they played Liverpool, uh, Liverpool almost wants you to get into that kind of track meet with them. Like, let's go back and forth. Let's go up and down. Our be- our players are better than yours. We'll beat you. And that's basically what happened in the end uh, of the last match. You know, Liverpool goes up 1-0, and then Brentford had a couple chances, but Liverpool finishes theirs. They win. 3-0 going away. Arsenal is the opposite of that. I mean, they are shutting down every game at every turn, and you can just look at, like, this historic defensive run that they're on right now. Mm-hmm. They they basically pitched a shutout against uh, Sevilla. They gave up their one shot in stoppage time. They basically pitched a shutout against Sheffield. They gave up you know point three xg to Burnley. Sorry, BJ, you, you probably had the right bet there. Uh, <laughs> and they were dominant against Newcastle. I mean, they conceded one xg to Newcastle, but almost all of it came on that controversial play, mm-hmm. which was kind of just like a broken down attack that led to like a, a tap in. So. This defense has been historic, Best and I think it's, and I think it, it it comes down to Arsenal not optimizing their attack and and prioritizing control to an extreme extent, and not getting the most out of like this midfield, which is pretty average going forward and pretty good defensively, like especially with Declan Rice breaking up the play and like being as good as he is in the in the in the midfield. So. Brentford doesn't want the ball. Arsenal wants it. Arsenal keeps it in their final third a lot. They don't do anything with it. Under two and a half, minus 104. I think this game could easily end 1-0 Arsenal. 
could easily end 1-1. I just don't really see a ton of attacking quality in this Arsenal side right now beyond Saka. So I, I still think there's questions. It's been like my prevailing theme of the podcast all year. And I think this is the perfect team to kind of quash and slow down this attack. So yeah, uh, the Gunners may win. I think the number's a little inflated, not as much as usual, but I do like the under more. So under two and a half minus 104 is out there. There was some plus money. It has taken some under money in the last couple days. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Uh, from BJ's team to Anthony's second team, Spurs plus 130 hosting uh, Aston Villa plus 180 and the draw is plus 280 here at Tottenham. The wheels Hotspur are coming off. Stadium. Mm-hmm. For who? Uh, for who? That's the real question, Anthony. For, for uh, my Spurs. Yeah. they. We lost. We, were, we tried to tell you. We tried to tell oh, you that, yeah. <laughs> that this team was, was uh, a little bit smoke and mirrors, but still really good, uh, I think. Um, we'll see how far it, they fall. Meanwhile, Villa 3-1-1 one, and one in, uh, in their last five. Their last, but in that last, in those last five matches, it's, I mean, you want to talk about a cake schedule. It was Wolves, uh, West Ham, who were, you know, real, really struggling at the time, Luton Town, uh, the loss to Forest, and then uh, a win at Fulham or a win against Fulham. So I don't know. And maybe, maybe it's just, I should just submit that I, can't get this this Villa team right and it's been I feel like it's been since Unai Emery took them over which is ironic because that Villa Villarreal team maybe maybe more money than anybody in uh Champions League ever but I want to bet Spurs here is is my point Anthony I think that this is mm, no thanks not not a not a terrible no time to way take them on I mean we're not we're not good we weren't that good to begin with, and now we don't have our good players. They they get Udogi back, but they lose Basuma. Uh, not going to have Romero, not going to have Mickey. So, like, it's a very precarious back line who's going to play Ange Ball, but do it against Musa Diaby and Leon Bailey. Like, that is a concerning indicator. With that being said, I think, you know, this year has been the story of, you know, home road Villa's been so different and it's not just results or performances it's literal play style how much of the ball are they have do they have uh, how much are they pressing what's their shot allowed numbers like they're so different when they've been at home and they've been able to kind of beat up on these bad teams 
Whereas when they've gone on the road against any quality opposition and gotten their 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 shit kicked in, like they have not been good, even at Forest, you know. So I don't really want to bet them either, and thus I will pass. But the injury situation at Spurs is really dire, and and no pun intended. And they <laughs> they really they really I'm going to start using that intentionally now. But they really don't have any solutions like Madison being out Benton Kerr comes in but he's fresh off a major knee injury and he's not as good at creation as Madison uh, there's not enough shots now Son is the only guy Richarlison being out Kulisevsky's not like a shot monster guy so it's just kind of a broken team they, they scored a great goal early on against Wolves and then did nothing nothing for the entirety of the rest of the match and got very lucky I mean, Wolves won the match in you know the last ten, five minutes, but they really could have lost it and won it before that with how many chances they created. So I lean toward the under as well, but I don't really want to trust this defense either. So I'm, I'm passing, no bet. But if I had to bet, I'd ride with BJ. Yeah, I'm taking Aston Villa. Draw, no bet, plus 115. The injury situation is dire, is, yeah, for lack of a better word, dire. Um, but <laughs> but the, the real problem of not just that Ben Davies and Eric Dyer are worse defenders than Romero and Vandeven, it's the fact that when Tottenham, because they're probably going to have a majority of the ball in this match, Aston Villa is probably going to concede a lot of possession to them. It's when Tottenham loses the ball, when they're building up in a 2-3-5, that leaves a lot of space out wide for 1v1 situations. And Van de Ven and Romero are really, really good at covering space and being def- good defenders in those type of situations. Watkins and Diaby against Davies and Dyer is a very, very bad situation for Tottenham that I don't think they have a solution for. And listen, Postacoglu is not just going to switch his idealisms and just sit back in a little block and hand the ball to Villa and say, all right, try to break us down. He's going to play a high line. He's going to press. Like, it, they did that against Wolves, even when they were ahead. So... Did that against Chelsea with nine men. Right. The question here for Tottenham, because when has Villa struggled the most this season? When they played Liverpool and they played Newcastle, and they got absolutely beat up in build-up play and turned the ball over constantly high. So if you truly believe that Tottenham's press is elite because they're number one in passes per defensive action right now, if you truly believe that they are elite and that they can disrupt Villa's build-up play, then you can make a case for them. But I don't think, given the players that they have available, especially not Basuma, that they have the personnel to be able to press Aston Villa effectively out of possession. So I do like Villa plus 115 here on the road. Um, Again, the two worst defensive performances that they've had this season were against Newcastle and Liverpool. If you take away those two matches, they're only conceding about one expected goal per 90 minutes and have only conceded five big scoring chances in their other uh, 10 matches so i think this is a good spot to to keep fading tottenham um it was good you know what was good is the fact is that wolves had to play very aggressively because they went down so early and if aston villa who is a very tactically fe- tactically flexible team that can press that can sit, sit back deep can do a lot of different things well it's a really good matchup here for for aston villa even if they are on the road so i like do like them draw no bet at plus 115 game of the week time Oh yeah, perhaps game game of the year. Uh, spot, Everton, spot of the year, motivational spot of the year. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> mm. It the type of thing that you we, we you hear it all the time on uh, in college football. If you listen to uh, BBOC or I guess in and it's a thing I'm sure in uh, in other sports. I'm a, 
maybe outside of Major League Baseball, um, where I don't think it motivation matters really <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, Everton gets deducted 10 points um, over the international break. They were playing so well. They were left the relegation scrap in its rearview mirror for the first time in two years. They've, you know, some safety, in-season safety uh, was achieved, and uh, that's all got. We'll see where this all ends up, but um, it does feel funny that it, so you, you said it, motivational spot of the year. You don't, don't need to get too deep into a team getting deducted 10 points. Right away, there's mo- motivation built in. But the fact that they're also playing a, a, a big six side I think kind of adds to it a little bit considering that United was one of the six teams that tried to destroy the <laughs> Premier League all not that long ago and wasn't didn't face any point deductions uh from that. They also and they also get a United team that has frankly just been in shambles all year too. So you're going into a, you're going to go into a bear pit uh on on Sunday at Goodison Park. Not the team I'd want to go into said bear pit. Maybe the last team I'd want to to go into said bear pit uh, in in the entire league. And before I hand it over to you too, I mean I, I like Everton here. We we'll, I'll talk about it now. I'll talk about it later. Um, United is one of just uh, I believe four teams in the Premier League right now. Five teams, excuse me, that has uh, that doesn't have a single player with at least four goals on its roster. And I think that that is. Important to note because when you have as many problems as United does defensively, what is the tonic for those issues? It's having a game winner, someone who you can just get the ball, let them create some magic and 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 rescue you from trouble. And some and and they're still finding a way to do it, by the way, uh, more often than not because through Scott McTominay of, of all people, uh, more than Probably anyone. going to start again. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's. And yeah, United's injury list. Everton. They, they, I, I think they I think they have the most injuries in the league. Yeah, I was gonna say, Everton. Everton may be the healthiest team in, in this going into the weekend. At United is uh, probably the one with with the biggest crisis of uh, roster decisions. So Everton's plus one eighty right now at home. This number's kind of been bouncing around between not too much uh, movement over the past couple of days, but I think Everton's going to end up taking money here, Anthony. They should be the favorite. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Hoyland, probably out. Onana, 50-50. Erickson out. Casemiro out. Martinez out. So that's like the entire spine of the team, except of Bruno. And the wingers haven't been good all year. There's like real questions about like, what is this team going to look like? Because I thought you could squint like really hard and say, well, you know, they played a really good opening half hour against Copenhagen for the red card. And then you could say, well, Luton Town at home, probably the, the second or third easiest fixture they'll have all year, was a really good performance because for the first time, they truly consistently outcreated and dominated an opponent. But now they lose the striker who had really led those moments and finally gotten some shots and goals against Copenhagen and against... Uh, Luton, they lose him. They lose the goalie who had been better with shot stopping in the last month after a pretty rocky start. Their main distributor out from the back is out. 
Johnny Evans is questionable now. Uh, their defense went to shambles once he went out. They don't have any good build-up players. Not one in the whole team. McTominay in the midfield like doesn't get on the ball a lot. He doesn't really pass. And like Lindelof, Varane has been a shell of himself this year. Like this group, Luke Shaw may also probably still be going to be out too. So the entire ball progression plan is is kaput. And now you're playing an Everton team that that has the capability to get in your face and turn you over high and create scoring chances off of that. So I get that like, you know, United has more talent at the club and that's why they're they're the favorite on the road here. But like the the players on the pitch that have played this season, these teams have been about even. And given the injuries keep getting worse for United, Everton, you could argue, is the better team right now. And they're at home and they're a dog. So yeah, toffees again. <laughs> and 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 you throw in that the the I'm not much of a motivation person, but like yeah, no, there are times. There, there, this is one of those spots, yeah, uh, where it's like, well, the league just screwed us. Now we're at home, off the break. Let's let's go screw them back, you know, show them. So uh, I I did love the Sean Dyche memes that were coming out. It was like uh, Sean Dyche is like the guy who told his landlord to raise his rent mm-hmm. because yeah. he wants to stru- he wants to embrace the struggle or the grind. Um, yeah, I mean, it, ten you, point you'd deduction. Be, you're hard, you'd be hard pressed to find a uh, like a a more appropriate manager and, and bunch oh, of players. Too. Yeah, like the, it, it was almost. Heard, I haven't seen his comments happened. on it yet, but I'm sure he'll be asked about it post or pre match on Saturday, and I can't wait to see you know his his like raspy, raggedy voice. Uh, it's going to be awesome. But yes, and, no, Everton, Everton for sure, and uh, the first of two United fades for me in the same week. If you follow me in the Action app. I bet Everton and Galatasaray like three or four weeks ago because there were some really bad openers. Uh, it's time to cash those tickets because I believe we've gotten the the world famous closing line value on them. Uh, BJ, well, I'll, I'm going to hand it to you in a second too, but I, I kind of want to add here that it's it's really not a bad game. I, and I don't want to make a, a loser out of a winner here, but it's not a bad game to back an Everton route. Because there's absolutely a, a situation here where Everton just storms them. Mm-hmm. Um, as Anthony said, like the, the roster is, is, is threadbare for United. This is not Manchester United coming to Goodison. This is like Manchester United B coming to to Goodison Park. Martial starting up top, probably, yeah. right? Right, to. yeah. I mean, so, and the <laughs> other thing about it is, is you mentioned off the top, Michael, where they don't have this game winner that can go get it. Well, last year that was Rashford who overperformed right. at a historic rate. And now he's not. And you're seeing the problems. In fact, he's that, underperforming. Yeah. And now you're seeing the problems that Manchester United have, that they just don't have anybody to break it down. So I don't think it really matters what Everton decides to do. Because Everton has shown that if they want to sit back and they don't want to press and they want to sit in a low block, that they are incredibly effective at doing that. So they could sit back and they could just say, you know what? You're not playing through us, United. And like Anthony mentioned, if United decides that, listen, we have no good build-up players, so let's just play Route 1 football, let's send the ball deep, and let's play in transition, then you're playing a transition game with Everton, who is unbelievable in transition. So there's really no method here for United unless they pull off one of these magical wins again. Additionally, it looks like Aaron Juan Bissaka also might be out for United, who is their best wide defender, which means that United will have to defend with Region or probably Dallow as their two 
wide area guys. And how does Everton create all of their chances? Mainly it's through crosses and getting out ball out wide. So it's a, yeah, it's just a really good spot here to back Everton. They, again, like Anthony said, the players that are currently on the pitch, Everton is a better team than Manchester United and they're at home. So crazy line, Everton, draw no bet, plus 115. Kind of feels like a, a letdown to, to, to wrap up with, with this next game on Monday night. Uh, I should mention Ooh. that. <laughs> Spurs and Spurs, uh, the Spurs match and Everton match are on Sunday. Uh, this one, Fulham and Wolves uh, at Craven Cottage, Monday night football with Fulham at plus 137, Wolverhampton uh, plus 200, and the draw is plus 230. Uh, and, and as you heard from the wandering Wolf around here, uh, this one looks like it's, it's three for three on Gary O'Neill's rambunctious wolves making their way to the to the middle of the table here good good for them um yeah i mean this 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 is uh this this looks like a great spot to to back wolves bj yeah i mean gary o'neill is just turning wolves into that best version of that brent of the bournemouth team that we saw last season a team that is good in transition good on set pieces and can play well defensively in a low block and quite honestly i know fulham's at home but I don't think there is a scenario where they should be a home favorite without Paulina in the middle of the pitch. Given what they have done offensively this season, which is next to nothing, they're going to have to start Raul Jimenez up top again, who did score when they were down three against Aston Villa. <laughs> so congrats to Raul Jimenez. Is that his first like goal revenge, of the season? Revenge, spot, first goal. revenge spot here, too. Yep, Watch out. Watch out for that Raul. Spot. That's true. That is true, Michael. The revenge um, game. But it's just so clear right now for Fulham that when they are playing, because they typically do concede a lot of possession, so when they are playing teams that will possess the ball more, they are playing a very, very narrow defensive shape to limit central progression. And they've done a pretty good job of it, honestly. But when they win the ball, they used to be able to get the ball wide and send it into Mitrovic. Well, they just don't have anybody in the middle of the pitch to be able to do that, and they are not good at playing the ball centrally through the middle. And they also keep trying to play out of the back. And it has not been successful whatsoever. So Wolves can turn them over high. They can cause a lot of problems if Fulham decides they want to try to build out of the back. And without Paulinha, you're losing your best ball stopper in the middle of the pitch. And you literally have nobody else who can stop Wolves if they want to get forward in transition opportunities. Paulinha has 63 tackles plus interceptions this season. The next closest midfielder on Fulham doesn't even have 15. Like that's how much of a difference it is when he is not on the pitch. So, uh, yep. and Wolves, quite, there is looks like a slight chance that Pedro Neto might be back for this match, which would obviously be massive. But even if he doesn't play, He Chan Huang has been really, really good this season. 0.54 xG plus expected assists per ninety minute rate. Very good attacker. And quite honestly, what we worried about with Wolves coming into the middle of the season was their midfield because they lost Neves. They lost Nunez. They lost Moutinho. And this midfield of Gomez and Lamina has been better in terms of a ball-stopping perspective. They're getting more tackles and interceptions per 90 than the yep. Neves and whatever combination they were using last season. So I really don't think Fulham should be a home favorite here. Uh, I really am believing in Gary O'Neill and this Wolves team, who is, again, turning into the best version of that Bournemouth team that we saw over the second half of the season. So... I think Gary O'Neill's team right now is a, is a 
really good buy on team. And this is a really good spot for them here on Monday night on the road. So I like them drawing a bet at plus 120. Wolves have gone over four straight games. Yep. Have I bet any of them? No. <laughs> uh, in fact, I had the under ones. But yeah, I mean, th- this, this Wolves attack is quietly cooking. I mean, even without NATO last week, two, 2.1 XG against Spurs. I thought they were good against Sheffield. Not great. Uh, but yeah, this Fulham defense still is mediocre and their attack is useless. They get Muniz. He shows some life, not much, and then he gets hurt. So it's, we're back to you know one shot per game, Raul. And uh, I just really don't see any advantages whatsoever for Fulham that make them a favorite. So yeah, I agree. I'm on Wolves as well. Aou. Aou. Uh, yeah, three for three on Wolves. Not too much to add there. All right, uh, we'll go into uh, the rest of Europe real quick. But before I do that, it's time to pay some bills. Uh, and what what better time to do that than right around the holidays? That's right, the holiday season. It's right around the corner, and it's about to get pretty busy. But don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. And that's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. One minute in the morning and one minute at night can be all the difference you need for a clearer skin. These guys are the best in the skincare game. And with an easy routine can keep your face looking fresh no matter your schedule and no matter your betting habits it's just three steps the first one is the clean slate which is a face wash to start and end your day the second one is the base layer which is a daily moisturizer used to hydrate your skin and the third is the good which is an eye serum you can put on at night to help your skin look tighter and smoother plus what's a better gift than clear skin how about a deal and just for our listeners we have an exclusive one Use the code GOAL, G-O-A-L, at calderalab.com for 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the code GOAL at calderalab.com. Make unforgettable first impressions with Caldera Lab. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, BJ, on to the, the Bundesliga. I can't let Anthony go first here because he's about to take us on an adventure. So uh, yeah. what's your... I'll just be quick. Why don't, why don't I, I'm going to go with the relegation six-pointer. I like Bochum plus a half and minus 150 against Heidenheim. Heidenheim is one of the worst defensive teams that I've seen in recent memory come up to any of these big five leagues. There's only been two matches this season where they've held an opponent under two expected goals, lying around two and a half per 90. And this Boca team is quietly improving. Over their last three matches, they've held Mines, Darmstadt, and Cologne all under one expected goal. And quite frankly, Heidenheim hasn't won the expected goals battle in any of their matches this season. So I don't see a scenario why they should be a home plus 120 favorite. So I like Boca plus a half at minus 150. All right, Anthony, floor is yours. Yeah, I got a couple bets. Uh, Wolfsburg plus a half at home against Leipzig. I think... uh... You know, I gave Leipzig the benefit of the doubt early in the season because their numbers, they're running ridiculously hot. They've been the most fortunate team from a finishing perspective in all of Europe, but they're just really not that good. And that's kind of borne out in the numbers in their Champions League, uh, where they were largely uncompetitive with City in, you know, some of their league matches where, you know, they got outplayed by Mines, they got outplayed by Darmstadt, uh, were pretty even with Freiburg until the penalty late. Like, 
weren't great against Bayern except for the part where they scored the first two shots, so it kind of throws everything off. We're seeing now, though, that when Leipzig's been in even game states, they have not been very good. Uh, and so I think we have to downgrade them, and I think the market's still a little too high. If you bet against Leipzig uh, this year, you'd be down money, but you'd be up in terms of CLV, and, and that's something that uh, Wasted Golasso pointed out. The market has hated this team, uh, and I'm starting to come around on that as well. So I'll take Wolfsburg plus a half at home. Uh, and then the game of the weekend uh, in Europe, Gladbach and Dortmund. BJ uh, you know, might have been right about Gladbach. Uh, because the you know we said in the in the lead up to the season that like they lost all of their attacking production and it was worth a shot on them at thirty three to one to go down because of that. Well, they have found some really nice pieces from across you know the leagues. You know they're getting some unsustainable numbers from some of these guys, but uh, Kavankara, the the Czech forward they bought, has been really impressive from a shots perspective. Uh, they're getting really good production from Frank Honorat, mm-hmm. who they bought uh, from Ligue 1. He's been the best ball progressor pretty much in Europe uh, and has put up some ridiculously good numbers uh, as well. So they they found some pieces to make this work. Honorat has four assists already. They are now facing a Dortmund defense, which is flat out terrible, and the market is not reacting enough. So I like Gladbach plus 1.25, and I like them first half team total over plus 125. You can just look at it. Every time Dortmund plays a team of any quality, they have been getting diced up. Uh, still are some concerns for for Gladbach defensively with their injuries and just not being very good, but uh, they are going to be in this game because of how bad Dortmund is uh, defensively. So give me the the uh, the foals. Go get those goals, hopefully in the first half. <laughs> uh, and and we're going to need them at both halves because uh, a little foreshadowing. Not Not the end of our discussion about Gladbach. BJ, you're the only one with uh, anything in Syria uh, this weekend. Yeah, uh, the big match of the weekend, Juventus-Inter. Uh, Inter's a road favorite, and I am not sure that I agree with that. Obviously, Inter is just pumping everybody right now. They're just destroying everybody in their path. They've uh, you know beaten Roma and Atalanta and have been cooking in the Champions League as well. But this Juventus defense has been incredible. I mean, they're allowing like 0.7 XG per 90. Like they'll let you into the final third. They'll let you get shots off, but it's nothing of value. Like their their last notable match in Serie A when they played Fiorentina, they scored early and they just handed the ball to them and just dared them to to try and score. And they couldn't. They took a lot of shots. None of them were of value. And that is the peak of Allegri ball. And Juventus is at that right now. Uh, So I really don't think there's a scenario where Inter should be a road favorite here. I mean, if we were doing this against this Juventus team of last season, sure, I would I would say, yeah, that makes sense. But given the way Juventus has been playing and the defensive numbers that they have put up, I like them plus a half, minus 140 at home. Okay, uh, La Liga time. Uh, Anthony? Well, my two teams are playing each other. I know, this is tough for you, huh? It is tough. Um, so I'm going to take both teams to score because I think both attacks are <laughs> undervalued by the market. Uh, you know, uh, yes, minus 110. I bet it this morning. Uh, Valencia against Celta Vigo. I'll tell you, uh, I was in the office, uh, in our Action Network office on Friday when they played Bilbao. What a match. I mean, I I was covered in sweat by the end. And I thought we were going to cash our plus one. And then in the final kick of the freaking game, Vigo concedes... A- a soft ass penalty. I mean, it was a penalty because it hit his hand, but like so weak, did not make any impact on the real play. They give away the pen, they lose 4 3. 
like 10 minutes after they missed their own pen to take the lead. It was classic. And uh, BJ sent me the article. There's an article in The Analyst about Rafa and this Celta team and just like historic levels of bad luck. But look, Valencia, uh, you know, Doro and this attack have actually been really improved. They just put almost 3xG on Real Madrid a couple weeks ago. Granted, everybody does that. But this Vigo team is is pretty passive defensively, but they're still conceding a good number of chances. It's just the attack that has consistently been underrated uh, and the process has been good. I still believe in them. I will believe in them for the rest of the season. Valencia, Vigo, BTTS, yes, minus 110. All right, BJ, 2-2 thriller have? incoming. I might uh, play an alt over too. I'm sure everybody's aware right now, but Girona's at the top of the table in La Liga. And I have been waiting and waiting and waiting very patiently for a spot to fade them. And I think I have found it here on Monday against the team that I think just mentioned, Athletic Bilbao, coming off that 4-3 win against Celta Vigo. So why Girona is at the top of the table is a very interesting conundrum. And really what it is, is they've just... It's a real underdog story. They've just been beating everybody bad. (laughs) <laughs> they've 10, played nobody they've been beating nobodies 10 of they've so they won 11 matches 10 of their 11 matches have come against the bottom essentially the bottom 10 teams in spain their only one match they've won against a team in the top you know nine is against you know my boys from las palmas but that's it they've played real madrid they've lost three nothing they played sociedad open season drew them one one so we haven't seen them against good competition and listen they are really good in possession. Like they are a very fun attacking team. They have really good players. Savio has been incredible for them, but he's injured now. And he's their best creator out on the wing. And what they love to do is they love to build out in a 3-1-6. They love to overload the last line of defense. And that's wonderful. And that works against bad defensive teams or teams at the bottom half of the table. But when they lose the ball, they are ex- incredibly exposed to teams that can counter them quickly in transition. Who's the best team at doing that in La Liga? It's Bilbao. So this is a fantastic matchup for Bilbao, who's very quietly in fifth place and has a plus nine expected goal differential as well. So Bilbao, Pickham, plus 120 against a Girona team that's going to be without their best attacking player and, quite frankly, is overdue to lose a match against, you know, they're finally going to have to play somebody good. So uh, Bilbao, pl- uh, Pickham, plus 120. I've never seen a, a first half team total over that I love more than Bill Bow in this game. <laughs> ah, it's so great. It is great. But uh, yeah, I mean, Girona's played nobody except yeah. for Vigo, who they barely beat. That's their only good quote unquote win of the season. Uh, and they, they won it in stoppage time. Yeah, the, the, the real underdog story of the season owned by City Football Group. <laughs> Why don't you know? City's just going to win all five. I forgot to mention on the we're we're heading toward them winning all five of the top leagues. They're going to buy. They're going to buy Toulouse. They're going to buy like Genoa, and then win all five uh, leagues. I'm hoping, Michael, that Everton is a sacrifice so we can finally get a points deduction on City. I'm hoping. If that's the case, I think I think you'll be happy. I think they'd sooner they'd sooner pull out of the uh, the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Okay, before we get to our uh, underdog parlay, uh, BJ, get us started in, in France. Yeah, real quick. Nice, minus one, minus 115 against Toulouse. Toulouse, one of the worst defensive teams in France. As you've seen, they've given up seven goals to Liverpool in the Europa League, uh, conceding about 1.9 XG per 90 minutes. A really, really bad team when they have to sit in set in a set defense, and they're also really bad in transition. Uh, while Nice, 
very when they play lesser competition, they have beaten that lesser competition by one expected goal at least in every single one of those matches. So uh, a Nice team that is really fun tactical team that I talked about last time uh, when they played Montpellier, who unfortunately uh, did not win that match. But this is a good spot for a Nice team that is still undervalued by the market. So Nice minus one at home against Toulouse. I really thought we were going to get a good number to bet PSG uh, against Monaco at home, but we didn't. Uh, so I'm going to be passing there. I do like Strasbourg at home against Marseille. Marseille has been interesting this year. Uh, their underlying numbers are actually better than mm-hmm. the past, but their goal difference is negative. And that is really funny because all of those years of this Marseille team being an absolute luck box, they're finally starting to regress yeah. and the market just keeps downgrading them. And I think it's, I think it's real. And I think it's a very mediocre team when you look at them on paper, their biggest problem has been they haven't really created against any quality opponent they've played this year. They played Lille less than one XG, Nice less than one XG, Lens, uh, Lens less than one XG, Monaco one XG. So anytime they've played any real competition, PSG as well, the attack has really fallen off. And that's what we've kind of suggested with this team for a while, uh, which is just like they're not nearly as good. They just have an insanely high conversion rate of chances. And now... Uh, you know, Strasbourg's on a great defense. They're an average defense, but catching a half goal at home, I like Strasbourg uh, at home. So, all right. Uh, we are just a, about a week removed from our, our one year anniversary of hitting our only underdog parlay. <laughs> it was 201 to 1. Uh, came came through. Uh, well, the one year anniversary came through when we are on uh, international break, November 12th, I think it was. Uh, so maybe we can get back on the board here uh, with a, an 87 to 1 banger, BJ. You can kick us off. Wolves plus 210 at, on the road against Fulham on Monday night. It'll be the last leg of this one. Uh, just a really good, I already talked about it, a really good matchup here for Wolves against a Fulham team that's going to be without Paulinha, their best ball stopper in the middle of the pitch. Fulham offensively has done next to nothing. They're still going to have to start Raul Jimenez up top. And Wolves under Gary O'Neill is becoming the best version of what Gary O'Neill's Bournemouth team was last season, a team that's good in transition good on set pieces and can cause problems. If you try to build out through the middle of the pitch, the midfield's improved. So I really don't think there's a scenario with when Fulham doesn't have their best player, why they should be a home favorite here. So I like Wolves plus two ten. Brentford. Oh, I hope this loses. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Do I have to keep going? Like it's not that hard. No, no, no. They're, they're I'll, I'll save it. you the time. Two out of three uh, of the, Player, the teams we have this weekend were in that parlay. Yeah, that's um, true. Brentford was one of them. It was Nottingham Forest and <laughs> should Borussia Mönchengladbach. Should, should I change to Nottingham Forest? It was Gladbach five to one uh, against Dortmund. Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund. How about <laughs> that? Um, so that's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, Dortmund's five to one on the road. Uh, excuse me, Gladbach's 5-1 to one on the road at Dortmund. And this defense is just so, so flawed. They gave up 3xG to Stuttgart. Every competent team they've played has run up the score on them uh, from a chances and goals perspective. Uh, and I think that's going to continue. So Gladbach is going to be in like a 2-2-2-1 crazy kind of game. Could go either way. So at 5-1, to one, I like I like the Foles. Yep, so that's Brentford, Wolves, and Gladbach, 87-1. If all three legs come through. On to best bets now for the upcoming Premier League weekend, Anthony. Arsenal-Brentford, under 2.5, minus 104. Uh, Arsenal has been on an elite, elite defensive run, the best defense in all of Europe, save maybe Nice. And they have 
prioritized control over everything. They have limited their own attack as a result of this. They have not been as good through the middle. Uh, and Brentford, you know, with their defensive approach, uh, I think still has the ability to shut down even the best attacks as they've done at times this season. I know they've had some slippage recently, but I like the under two and a half here. Uh, I only projected for 2.36. So give me the under. The wrong team is favored in Everton versus Manchester United at Goodison Park. Everton plus 180 is my favorite bet, hosting a beleaguered Manchester United squad. Uh, we talked about the motivational factor at play here for the Toffees, but that maybe undersells just how good this team's been uh, relative to their expectations and to, I think, the public perception of them coming off of two dismal seasons and a really unlucky but poor start. Uh, so this is not your your older cousins Everton hosting your older cousin, cousins Manchester United. This is a uh, United team that's in, in a serious, serious injury crisis. The name brand value is, is definitely overshadowing where this team truly is in terms of actual talent at the moment. So I love the Toffees here. I don't hate chasing some some alternate spreads here. Toffees in a route. BJ, what do you got? Aston Villa, draw no bet, plus 115 against Tottenham. The injury situation for Tottenham is very dire. As of right now, James Madison, Mickey Van de Ven, Christian Romero, Basuma, and Richarlison are all out. Hudogi is questionable. And that is a problem given the way that Ange Postacoglu wants to play. He wants his teams to press high, and he's going to play a very high line. If Aston Villa, which they should be able to, which they are a good build-up team, to play through that first line of the pressure, that is going to put a lot of pressure on Eric Dyer and Ben Davies to defend in one-on-one situations against Ollie Watkins and Musa Diaby, who have been in incredible form right now. And Aston Villa, defensively this season, have basically had just two bad performances against Liverpool and against Newcastle, where they got beat up when they were trying to build out of the back, and it led to a lot of transition opportunities for both Newcastle and Liverpool. In their other 10 matches, they've only averaged or conceded about one expected goal per 90 minutes. So the defense is still very, very good. So given the injury situation right now for Tottenham, players on the field, I think Aston Villa is a better team. So I like Aston Villa, draw no bet at plus 115. Okay, uh, that does it for this episode of Wonder Goal. For BJ and Anthony, I'm Michael Leboff. We will see you again on Monday morning. Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you. (laughs) Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.